Keown on the edge of the box. Up comes Heskey, and then Patrick Berger. Adams has stayed back for Arsenal. Look at the pace here of Michael Owen again. It's there! Hello and welcome to another special edition of the Anfield Central podcast. My name is Luke and I'm once again joined by James and Max as we continue our journey into the 2001 anniversary celebrations podcast. It's been 20 years since Liverpool won the treble of the League Cup, FA Cup and UEFA Cup and each episode we're going to be taking a close look at a member of that squad and talk about what they brought to Liverpool and what their kind of overall legacy is really. And today is definitely going to be a tasty one. He's going to divide opinion because it's the goal scorer. It's Michael Owen. So now we all know Michael Owen's story, um, where he start, how he started at Liverpool, where he went after Liverpool, particularly towards the end of his career. But before we get into all that kind of nastiness, let's just talk, take a minute to talk about how good he was in his prime um, from a young 18-year-old coming through Liverpool's academy into the first team up until he left the club in around 2004. James, just how great was Mark Lowen as a footballer? He was breathtaking at times, um, especially the pre-hamstring injuries. I mean, you look at that goal against Argentina in the World Cup. Um, I think yeah. at such a young age, that tells you everything you need to know about him. He could score with his head, his left foot, his right foot. He was quick. He could cut back. There's nothing he, he couldn't do. And I think, you know, to win a Ballon d'Or at Liverpool without winning a league title is, I think that just tells you of how special a talent he was at such a young age. Yeah, I mean, Michael Owen was, and and let's not beat the bush around, beat about the bush here. Michael Owen was a freak of nature. He was unbelievably fast. In his second full season in the Premier League, he scored 18 goals. Like, he, he was he was almost a child at that point. He was <laughs> blindingly quick. As James said, he could score pretty much any kind of goal you can imagine. Like he is the he was just incredible. I genuinely think that he could he would have, if not for the aforementioned injury problems, have gone down as England's greatest ever striker. I'm talking better than Shearer, Rooney, any of them. I think Owen would have been better than any of them. It's very rare for a player to kind of burst onto the scene so kind of dramatically and like definitively. He was, you know, it didn't take him long to be, you know, very much the club's kind of best, most important player, however you want to describe it. So we talk about his injury problems. He was hit, obviously, very hard. And, you know, by the time he was around 24, 25, particularly after that World Cup in 2006, where he had a very big injury for England, but he had obviously injuries before that as well when he was kind of getting to what you'd expect to be a footballer's peak of his career, it was kind of almost over in the term in sense of what he could offer a team. So looking back, do we have to describe him as an unfulfilled potential or did he have enough in that initial Liverpool spell to go down, you know, as one of the greats? It's a tough one because you look at his goal scoring record for Liverpool at such a, like you said, such a short spell. And it was unbelievable. But I do seriously think those injuries hampered him. I think he's even spoke about it himself where he says, where he was pulling his hamstrings. It was at a time where, obviously now football, as you pull your hamstring, you go and have surgery and you attach your hamstrings back together. But back in the early 2000s, that was never a thing. So I think he's quoted to saying that 
because he was asked himself, were you unfulfilled or did you reach what? And he said, I was playing with two hamstring muscles in my left leg, but one in my right leg because there was just nothing you could do. Yeah. So I'd put him down as, it's going to sound harsh, as unfulfilled because of how early it, it peaked. It peaked at such, mm-hmm. like you say, 24, 25, and then there was, it was hard to get past that. I think for me, the term unfulfilled potential is sort of, it's quite a weird one because it can apply to so many different circumstances that it almost doesn't feel fair to use it in the same way for others. Like, you know, talk about Ricardo Charisma, for example. That guy was unfulfilled potential. He burst onto the scene in the same way, but he didn't have the horrendous injury issues that Michael Owen had. He went to Barcelona and Chelsea. He just never quite managed to to get there through a multitude of reasons. Whereas Michael Owen, he he in from a footballing perspective, he himself didn't do anything wrong. He was just a blindingly quick player who was let down by medical practices at the time. Um, and if anything, probably coaching staff for playing him too often, too young. He was, I don't think you can say that he didn't fulfill his potential. I think that he was already, the guy won a Ballon d'Or. Like <laughs> if that isn't fulfilling your potential, I, I, as a player at least, I don't know what is. Could he have got better from there? Sure. Yeah, I think he probably could have without the injury issues. But I think given the circumstances, I think that he he did everything that he could to fulfill his potential. It's so, it's so strange to even really think of him as a Ballon, Ballon d'Or winner. You think where Liverpool were in terms of the stature of the club at the time when he won it. Obviously, Liverpool's a massive, massive club and it always it was then as well in the early 2000s, late 90s. But like you said, not won a league title, not won a European Cup. And to win the Ballon d'Or, we're used to it in this era, I guess it's kind of just shared between Messi and Ronaldo. But that really does speak volumes that just how pure talented he was, doesn't it, James? Yeah, it does. I think if you look at, like you said, Messi and Ronaldo were on that list. And then I think the people dotted around him was Zidane and the Brazilian Ronaldo. I think I think they were dotted in and around him. So... He's, he won it completely on merit. You know, his goal-scoring record the season before um, he got the award was was unbelievable. So I think, like you say, it's just hard to believe that a player at Liverpool who hadn't won the league in over a decade and hadn't won a European Cup since the 80s could produce a, a Ballon d'Or winner at such a young age. But it, it just goes to show what the rest of Europe thought of him at the time, not just Liverpool fans. Well, yeah, I mean, like, on the Ballon d'Or, there have been, since 1979, there has been one English winner of the Ballon d'Or, and that is Michael Owen. We've had Wayne Rooney, we've had Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Alan Shearer, unbelievable players from England in that time, and Michael Owen is the only one who's managed to do it. I mean, he, he, I feel like because he had such a short, unbelievably bright but such a short peak I, I feel like people forget how good he was I mean like this this guy scored a hat trick in Berlin for with England to like past Oliver Kahn one of the great goalkeepers of all time um and he scored a hat trick to help beat Germany 5-1 in Munich like he, he was an unbelievable player and I, th- I think that no matter what a, any Liverpool fans and for me 
I I'm slightly biased because he he was my favorite player when I was a kid. So I'm always going to have that affinity towards him. But I think no matter no matter what he did afterwards, for anyone to downplay what he did at Liverpool in his time there is just ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. And now, obviously, we know that his best years were at Liverpool, but he didn't spend his entire career at Liverpool, as, as we know. Um, before we go on to kind of the Manchester United-shaped elephant in the room, I think... Let's just kind of focus on that move to Real Madrid for a moment. So it was in the summer of 2004. Rafa Benitez, you know, was very much just through the door, more or less. We know that a lot of teams in Europe, I think Barcelona, were another um, massive club that were after Owen. Real Madrid obviously got him. Now, from a Benitez perspective, do we think more could have been done from him to keep... Michael at the club, Real Madrid are a huge club. Maybe he thought at the time he'd kind of taken Liverpool as far as he could. He, you know, he came through the academy, he'd scored all these goals, he'd won a hatload of trophies in, two, in 2001, which is obviously the reason we're doing this podcast. Um, we know that Benitez can be a bit frosty towards players at times, and I think that kind of has been raised as not a reason for Owen going to Real Madrid because he'd obviously wanted to go and test himself at quote-unquote, the biggest club in, in the world. But do we think Liverpool as a club, or Benitez particularly as a manager, could have done more to keep him there at that time, particularly when at the end of that season, Liverpool go on and win the Champions League? See, when I look back at it, I think Benitez should have done more. I know, like you said, we go on to win the Champions League at the end of the season. And if you have Owen in the team, do we go on? I, I, I get that point. But there's a story where England were at the Euro 2004s in Portugal. And Benitez had just got announced and he flew out to speak to the English players who were playing for Liverpool at the time. And he only met up with Steven Gerrard and Jamie Carragher. He never spoke to Michael Owen. Bearing in mind, this is the Michael Owen who has got to Liverpool finishing in the Champions League because of his goal-scoring record. He doesn't even bother to go and see him. Um, but that goes back to, obviously, how Benitez dealt with players. I don't begrudging moving to Real Madrid one bit because if Rafa's treated you the way that he has and the team of the Galacticos it's not the Madrid they've got now it was Ronaldo, Raul Beckham, Zidane, these were the, the creme de la creme of, of European football Yeah, and I get what he says when he said you know, if he'd have looked back in his career when he's in his 60s and his 70s he would regret it not playing with that squad of players and I completely agree yeah, I mean, the, the move to Madrid was, I, I think Liverpool made a huge mistake letting him go. I mean, between when Owen left and when Torres came in, I mean, I love Peter Crouch, I do, but <laughs> he like, he was not the same level as either of them. I'm sure he would admit to that. And like Milan Barros was starting up front in the, in the Champions League yeah. final that we're talking about. I mean, like, you know, credit to Milan Barros, but he... he was never even in the same conversation as Michael Owen as a football player. And and the fact that Rafa Benitez didn't try harder, I mean, like, to not even show him the respect of going to see him, even if he didn't raise him as a player, not even to show him the respect of going to see him at the Euros when he saw Gerard and Carragher, I just... Uh, to me, it smacks of arrogance a little bit. Um, and I think an opportunity was missed. And yeah, I mean, as James said, 
if you're Michael Owen, you haven't been treated well by a manager and you get offered the chance to live in Madrid to play with Raul, Beckham, Roberto Carlos, Luis Figo, Zinedine Zidane, you're going to take that opportunity. You'd be an idiot not to. Yeah, and I think as well as that, there's a, there's a story where I think Owen finds out this has been well documented by Michael Owen himself and, and Jamie Carragher where he gets a phone call from Madrid and Carragher says to him, don't go, you can't go. If you go, you know, you loved here, this is Liverpool, you know, we're not where we want to be, but the fans adore you. It's kind of like the Klopp Coutinho thing, stay here forever, you can be a legend, you'll have a statue, go there, you're just one of many. But in the end, it comes down to it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. By that point, he'd been at Liverpool for, what, six, seven, you know, seasons as a professional, obviously in the youth teams as well prior to that. So you definitely, I don't think, I don't think you can begrudge him that opportunity. As it was, it didn't, work out he only spent one season there um I think his goal scoring record wasn't too bad but it was mainly kind of sub appearances you don't think he started too many games and when he came back to the Premier League he he went back to Newcastle United um and this kind of then leads on to more injury issues before he's released by Newcastle and that move to Manchester United comes about where he signs for them as a free agent I don't think anyone saw it saw it coming before I give my opinion on it, I think I'll speak to you guys first. So in terms of Michael Owen as a player, as a person, as an individual, whatever you want to describe it as, looking at him now, what are your thoughts? It's it's such a tough one. Um, because you think of being a, you know, a young child growing up and he bringing the most joy. I can, I will never be able to unsee him in that United shirt like that is something and lifting the Premier League title for United that'll be something that I'll, I'll never be able to get over but if you listen to the story where he only had Everton Hull and United interested in him or else he was a free agent I can see why he's picked them but it still doesn't make what the move <laughs> right and it's still, yeah yeah and it still doesn't make sense do you know what I mean it's it's just I don't know it's just bizarre it really is bizarre I think if that is the case, like you have to, it's very easy for us to sit here and, 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 you know, have a go for anyone to sit here and have a go at him. But if you, if you, if you think about the position that Michael Owen was in, right. So he, he had lost his pace. He, he was falling out in love, falling out of love with the game. Um, he was, his mental health by the sounds of it was in the drain. Um, he'd been released by Newcastle. And then he gets offered Hull City, Everton, or Manchester United. Like I, I think to him, Hull City was never going to happen. And I think he probably just thought of United as the, the lesser of two evils and the chance to get coached by Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, which, you know, whether whether you're a Liverpool fan or not, like, you know, that's a that's a big opportunity. I I was so upset when he went to Manchester United. But when you hear the context surrounding it, I think it's very easy for people who who weren't in that position to judge. But I think if you put a lot of people who are having, who have a go at him for the choice that he made in the same situation, I think a lot of them, much as they'd hate to admit it, would also sign with Manchester United if they were put in that position. I think it's very easy to judge, but... I think for for everything that he did for Liverpool and then the fact that he tried so hard to come back and never managed to get back, I think that it was 
it was a very awful but almost inevitable um sort of falling out of love um on both sides really it was very sad yeah it sounds like a greek tragedy the way you describe it there max um no i think i completely agree with both of you guys i think what max says there from this is what kind of sways it for me that's the crux of it on not one by all accounts not by one but two occasions he tried his damnedest to come come back to liverpool first after madrid to newcastle i think in fact you know they'd almost been to the stage where a fee had been agreed between Liverpool and Madrid but Newcastle just kind of smashed it out of the park with a bid I think it was only about 16 or 17 million pounds which in the current market doesn't seem very much but obviously then 2006-2007 it, it was a lot lot more and Liverpool unwilling to match match that they I think I only wanted to pay what they'd kind of got from Madrid so effectively it had been almost free um, coming back the other way so obviously goes to Newcastle. He then says that he had a clause in his Newcastle contract saying he could come back to Liverpool at a later date if the opportunity arose. That again demonstrates how dedicated he was to coming back to the club. And then, like we say, after after Newcastle um, released him, he got Stevie and, and Carragher to try and get Benitez to offer him a contract to come back to Liverpool for a second time. And, you know, Benitez says no. And, you know, in hindsight, around that kind of time, he probably wouldn't have been good enough for his, the first time you'd have welcomed him, welcomed him back, I would, I would say. And the club obviously tried to. Those things there is why I'm less inclined to be annoyed or angry. Obviously, it hurts seeing a legend of your club playing in the colours of someone else. It was similar emotions when Torres went to Chelsea, but again... I think most people can understand the reasons why, given the various clubs' fortunes at the time. Um, I guess it leads on to the question, how sad is it to see... We all seem to be in agreement, which I'm a little bit surprised about, that <laughs> he's not the you know devil incarnate. I think a lot of Liverpool fans see him as this kind of Judas figure. Um, rightly or wrongly, that's their view. Um, but just how sad is it to see his his legacy kind of tarnished among, among the fan base? Because I've been to Anfield for charity matches where Michael Owen, you know, given his time to play for the Liverpool Foundation or whoever the charity is, and he's been, he's been getting booed, blessing by the fans. And it's just, you know, it's a sad state of affairs when that's happening, I think. Yeah, I, I, I do think it is sad. I've heard him speak about it a few times and he's spoken about it very publicly where he said, you know, players are getting you know, the club are thanking players for the service of time and, and but never achieved what Michael Owen achieved. You know, and, and fans, I mean, there, there will obviously be some examples um, that players who have been in Liverpool for a short space of time and the club are wishing them happy birthday on Twitter and showing goals of them on social media and stuff like that. And then you've got Michael Owen and he doesn't get the recognition that he should have got. And he, he said it, it kills him because... It was the team that he came through. Him and Gerard used to room together. And like he said, he tried everything he could have done to come back. And the way he does get treated, and I, I think it's more the generation above us. I think our generation, I think, like he said, the three of us have sat here and said, you know, we've all got the same opinion of it. But I think if you speak to the next generation above us, they can't quite grasp it and they can't quite comprehend it. Because Torres did it. He went to Chelsea at a time where, Chelsea were our biggest rivals in terms of we used to play them in the Champions League near enough every season. 
Mourinho and Benitez started their rivalry and he still gets a bit of love, but yeah, Michael Owen doesn't. So it's, it swings and roundabouts. I think for me, the idea that Michael Owen's legacy as connection with Liverpool, like is his connection with the club, like that, that can have holes poked in it, but his legacy as a player for Liverpool, as far as I'm concerned, should be utterly untouchable. Like what he did in millennium, in the millennium stadium against Arsenal to win that FA Cup, he, he won that by himself. He, he created one of the great memories that Liverpool fans of a certain age will ever have as a fan. And he, like, he, scored, he scored in the final against Manchester United to win the League Cup. Um, Gerard Houllier's last trophy for Liverpool. Like, he, he, as far as I'm concerned, as a Liverpool playing legend, should be un- untouchable. Whatever you think of his actions post his time at Liverpool, what he did in service of the club on the pitch was nothing short of spectacular. And I don't think anything should take that away from him. Yeah, completely agree. Um, And I think that brings us to a nice end to this episode of the Anfield Central podcast. Um, There'll be plenty more of these special shows coming out soon. So keep your eyes peeled for them. We'll be covering more of the players and staff who contributed so much to Liverpool's 2001 treble win 20 years ago. So James, Max, thank you guys as ever for your time. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, mate. I think we're going to get some interesting social media interactions after that Michael Owen episode comes out. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll see you next time. strikes again and incredibly Liverpool have turned it round the boy is a genius